Today's guest is somebody that I have wanted on the podcast from the very beginning, but I was just trying to find the right time. She is somebody who I consider one of my closest friends. She's highly successful, which I'll share more about that here in a second. But most importantly, she is one of the best friends anybody could ask for. Amy Ketty. Many of you may know her from her Power Pose TED Talk. In fact, her TED Talk, which is titled Your Body Language Can Shape Who You Are, is the second most watched TED Talk in the world, which is so crazy and so amazing. It has almost 65 million views. And in fact, just this past week, I was speaking at an amazing event alongside thought leader and memory coach, Jim Quick. And in the middle of his presentation, he said, hey, do you guys all know Amy Cuddy? Let's do a power pose. And then he taught everybody how to power pose. So we were all standing there with our hands on our hips. Of course, I had to video it and then text it to her. And I was like, Amy, oh my God, like, You're everywhere. Everybody's talking about your power posing. Even a recent episode of the Netflix show Ted Lasso referenced her power posing. And from knowing her from the very beginning, before she even did her TED Talk, I'm just so proud of how far she's gone, how much she's accomplished, and how many lives she's touched, including my own. Amy is a top motivational speaker. In fact, that's one thing that makes us so close is being in the industry that we're both in, the motivational speaking world, like the corporate speaking world. Oftentimes with motivational speakers, we're kind of like passing ships in the night. Like I'll show up to an event while somebody else is taking off. And so we don't always get to connect with each other. Like it's actually a pretty solo job where you're kind of in your hotel room by yourself and then you show up and you do the speech and then you fly out to your next speech. And so for me to have have somebody like Amy as such a close friend, we're always reaching out to each other and helping each other and learning from each other. And I feel like we have helped each other bounce forward by constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. Amy's also a social psychologist. She's an award-winning Harvard lecturer, an expert on the behavioral science of power, presence, and prejudice. She's also the best-selling author of the book, Presence, which when I say bestseller, she's not just a New York Times bestseller. She's also a Washington Post bestseller, a USA Today bestseller, a Wall Street Journal bestseller, a Publishers Weekly and a Globe and Mail bestseller, and she's been published in 35 different languages. And as I mentioned before, on top of all of this, she is one of my closest friends and she inspires me every day to be a better friend as well. And that's why I wanted her on the season of the podcast. Many of my following recently saw that I had a troll on Instagram who was really cruel (laughs) and Amy came right to my defense. She handled it so well and We got so many messages from my followers who responded, oh my gosh, everybody needs a friend like Amy Cuddy. And I completely agree. Plus, we all need to learn to be a friend like Amy Cuddy. On this episode, we talk about that experience and we go even deeper and talk about bullying that, yes, even adults go through. She's actually writing a book about that. And 
We also talk about something called post-pandemic flux syndrome. She just had a Washington Post article about that. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect for this season because it's all about living an inspired life. Well, how do you do that when we are in the middle of a pandemic? We're in this ongoing crisis. So how do we stay inspired throughout it? Overall, this is a fantastic conversation. You'll get so much from it. And I can't wait to share my friend Amy with you. At the age of 19, I lost both of my legs below the knees, which changed my life forever. It made me dig deep and build my resilience. And through that, I've been able to accomplish some amazing things. I'm a three-time Paralympic medalist, New York Times bestselling author, Dancing with the Stars runner-up, and a world-renowned motivational speaker. I created this podcast to cheer you on and to remind you that every challenge must be met with one question. How can you not just survive life's challenges, but thrive through them? I'm Amy Purdy, and this is Bouncing Forward. So after I did my TED Talk, I got invited to this other event that was called Pop Tech. And that's where I met Amy, Amy Cuddy. And Amy came up to me and said, do you realize that we're like the exact same people except for two letters in our last names? And were you like, what does she mean at first? Yes. And I I had to go through my last name. I'm like, P-U-R-D-Y. Okay, C-U-D-D-Y. But (laughs) I didn't even realize how much we had in common. So much. And that's why you've become one of my best friends. I love your sort of theory about this, about how we are the same in so many ways, except that our injuries were different. Yeah. I find it to be really interesting that the age of 19 seems to be a big pivotal point for a lot of people in their lives. Have you met other people like that too, where their lives changed? So many. I often read about bad things that happen to people. And I feel like at 19 is an age. And I think it's where people have more freedom and sometimes are more reckless. And yes, and it's, I think it's a a very important age. Will you share just a little bit of what happened when you were 19? Yeah, I was a student at University of Colorado and we had gone up to Missoula, Montana for the weekend to this environmental conference. And we were trying to get back before class started the next morning. And of course, you know, at 19, we were were feeling kind of invincible and like, well, we'll just stay until the last minute and then just drive through the night and go right to class. And there were three of us. And so we decided on shifts driving. And it's a lot, you know, I mean, you live out there, you know how dark and lonesome those long drives can be on those highways. Uh, And this was on I-25 especially through Wyoming. That part of Wyoming is not mountainous, it's flat. And so I was asleep in the back. So somebody was driving, the other person had to stay awake and keep that person awake. And then the other person had to rest. So I was on my rest time. So the seats were down. It was like three o'clock in the morning. The passenger friend fell asleep, not surprisingly. And then the driver fell asleep ran off the road, hit like the rumble strip, that woke her up. This was in the, like, we were in like a late 80s Jeep Cherokee and it just flipped like uh, one and a half times, landed on the roof and I was thrown out the side windows parallel to the road because I was sleeping. So I stayed in the sleeping bag, went out the side windows and beyond the car. Wait, so did you go through the glass? 
I did, and I had some cuts, but I was in the sleeping bag. And so, like, my hands were totally skinned from the highway and broken. Wow. You know, and I had bro- other broken bones, but I slid against the highway and my head hit. So I had a serious closed head injury where your brain is basically shaking against your skull. They call it a contra-coup injury. And that just causes damage all over your brain because if you think of your brain as having different layers that are different densities, when they shake like that, they're moving at different speeds and that's tearing all the axons connecting these layers of the brain. I mean, not everyone, but throughout the brain. So they call it actually a diffuse axonal injury. It's like all over the brain as opposed to one area. Like if you had a stroke, it's usually in one area. Or if something entered your brain like a bullet, it would be one, you know, a couple of areas. You could see where it hit. This is like, it's kind of just everywhere. So I ended up in the hospital for a long time. I, and I, it took me four extra years to finish school because I had to, I was withdrawn from school, woke up and had been withdrawn from college. I kept trying to go back and I couldn't think, like I couldn't process information. I had a lot of um, cognitive rehab. And then I finally went back really committed and studied psychology because I wanted to understand brain injury better. And my goal was to get my brain back to beyond where it had been, because I was told that I probably wouldn't finish college. And for me, I identified so strongly with being smart. That was just something that I never thought could change about me. And so for someone to tell me, well, look, you're high functioning. Your life will be okay. It'll be fine. But you probably won't finish college. I was I was just not able to accept that. Right. So that that was the head injury. I mean, talk about bouncing forward. You go on to be a Harvard professor. You've gone on to have one of the top TED Talks in the world. And this is one of the things that you and I spoke about. When we, so when we met at Pop Tech, we sat down and had lunch. And I feel like we talked for hours. We oh had so much to talk about. And I remember one of the things that you brought up, which was, you know, don't you find it interesting that we decided to use the things that disabled us or that would be considered disabling, we actually used it as our strength. Yes. For me, I lost my legs, but then my legs are what I ended up snowboarding on and dancing on and have taken me to where I'm at today. And for you, it was your brain. And you can let me know what you think about this too, but you just said something when you were sharing your story. You wanted to get back to where you were. And I felt that way too. Like I snowboarded before and I knew what it felt like with real legs. And so I didn't want to snowboard just like, oh, you're good for somebody with two prosthetic legs. I wanted to get back to what I knew I could do before. And so you did the same. Right. At 19, although you were already a good snowboarder and I was a good student, we still hadn't reached our peak potential. So like you say, you didn't just want to get back to it. You wanted to see how far you could go. You wanted to go as far as you could go. And just look how far it's taken both of us. How could we teach that? Or what could we share as like a tip or a tool that like if you're going through a really hard time where maybe you have lost something that you had or yeah, you were at school and now you you can't 
you had a brain injury or you lost your legs or you got a disability or, you know, something that you felt made you who you are suddenly was taken away. You know, like you can focus on your strengths and keep getting stronger in that spot, or you can take what is kind of your perceived weakness and question it. Is this really disabling? Okay, maybe to everybody Mm -hmm. else, but is it really? Just having the belief that, I don't know, I mean, that you can do amazing things and it sometimes takes you to figure it out. Like you just can't listen to what the doctors and what everybody else says. I totally agree. And at the same time, because I listened to them, I was motivated to prove them wrong. Right. I actually needed to prove to myself that they were wrong. Yeah, exactly. I always say... I didn't really care to prove anybody wrong. I more so cared to prove myself right. That's, I love that. And again, I mean, that's sort of our positive focus is to prove ourselves right. And as everyone knows, Amy is a friggin' amazing snowboarder. Like for anyone, if you saw her on the mountain, you would say that's definitely the best snowboarder on the whole mountain. Oh my gosh. No, seriously. I mean, it's just incredible. Like I don't even understand it. Thank you. Can can we also just flagging that I also want to talk about your dancing? Because I was a professional ballet dancer and you're like one of the best dancers I've ever seen. I don't even understand it. Like how fast you pick that stuff up. And then, you know, you came in second on Dancing with the Stars because you were that good. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So first of all, let me just say, this is also why Amy and I are just such good friends is we're both so supportive of each other. And I appreciate you so much, Amy, because you always, you always remind me of my strengths And that just makes me feel really good. So something happened a few weeks ago that made me think, gosh, this would be a really great conversation. You know, you have a book that's going to be coming out about bullying, adult bullying, and like bullying in the workspace. That's something that we both have gone through. So a few weeks ago, I got this horrible message, this horrible DM on Instagram and, you know, most of the time you're going to get that, right? The, the kind of the more followers you have, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you. Yes. But little caveat here, you get the really just mean, dumb, trolly stuff like you're ugly and you're not like whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something more personal. Yeah. There's people who will really hit you below the belt. Exactly. They know that that's what they're doing. Like you said, it's not just someone like disagreeing with you or kind of sending you a message that's that's kind of like got a weird vibe to it. This is someone who their goal. They know what they're doing. Yes, their goal is to make you feel like shit, like really worthless. Right, to like stick a knife in, twist it and watch. Yeah, and it's hard to not respond to that. It is. Because authentically, you do respond to that. It's so hurtful. And you're always who I usually would message first and be like, oh my gosh, look at this crazy message that just came in. I I posted a video dancing with my dad. It was the first time that I've really been up on my feet. 
And this has been such a process, just to kind of throw it out there. This has been such a process for me to walk. It's like, you know, I kind of got on my feet this summer, but my legs aren't comfortable. They're not fitting right. I I waited for two months for insurance to even approve a pair of new legs, which I've been waiting for. I finally got insurance to approve that because they're like $30,000 for a set of legs. And so it's not like I just got my legs and went. It's like I am still the majority of the time not walking. And so to get up this night when I was with my family, this song that reminds me of my dad started playing and I got up and started dancing with him. And that is the first time I've been able to do anything like that in the last two years. And so I shared that on Instagram. It was just a really like touching moment for me and my dad and my family. And I got you know, really supportive comments. I mean, to be honest, it was like, there was just one. This woman reaches out to me and is like, you're fake, you're lying, you're horrible. Like, I happen to know that you walk and you're just doing this for attention. It and was over the top, me. It was over the top. And so I sent it to Amy and Amy is like, let me at her. Let me <laughs> start it. And Paul, my husband was also listening. We were like, this is not okay. But this is what I love. And this is what I love about our friendship too, is it's like, we really go to bat for each other. And you, you really did. And you went onto my Instagram and on my recent, I think it was on that post where I was dancing, you know, you just really went to bat for me. And you did it in such a beautiful way and not in a way to attack anybody else, but just to kind of share. It's like, this woman has no idea what I've been through. And I'm not really the one that's going to say that because I can't say that I always share all that I go through, but to have you step forward, it not only impacted me and, you know, how much I, I love your support, it impacted a lot of people who read that comment. And I was not expecting that because my sole goal at the moment was to protect you and defend you because this woman was so wrong. I could not believe how wrong she was. You know, I've spent a lot of time with Amy over the last couple of years and she undershares her hardships. And and so this one was basically saying, oh, you know, you're all pity party, woe is me. And, and you're like, you have no flipping idea. Like she is sharing a tiny, tiny percentage of what she goes through. And that made me so angry. But I wanted to share with everyone the things that I know you don't share because one, to your own sort of detriment, you don't want to be a burden. You don't want a pity party. And I, I don't even like that term. But you also are incredibly generous and you're like you also have a part of your life that people know very little about where you're supporting, like literally having other athletes with disabilities living in your house and feeding them. People don't know that part, but they also don't know that you were at the time, like most of the day scooting around on your butt around your house, like going up and down steps, like right. like having to pull yourself up to get a cup of coffee. And, and, and so for this woman to be like, I know you're walking and blah, blah, blah. It just, I wanted people to know that. And and I knew that Amy could not say that for herself. And this is what we have to do. When people get bullied, we have to defend them. When you are the target, you're not in a position to defend yourself. You're traumatized. It's exhausting. You're on the, it's, it's a horrible feeling. We have to support each other and other people have to get, and, and, and my point was, was to support you, not to attack her, right? to focus the content on right. supporting you. 
And then other people see that the norm is not to be nasty and negative. The norm is to be positive. So then there was more and more support, but also, as you're saying, like people saying, wow, I love this friendship between these women. I love this. I want to have those friendships. I think that's why it was ended up being a very positive thread. It's like you can respond so easily negatively to someone and attack them. Then they attack you back. Then other people jump in and attack. It goes nowhere. It, nowhere good. And and the, 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 the fascinating thing about that thread was that people weren't attacking the woman who was basically bullying you. They were focused on the positive. Right. You know, so they didn't go on this like oh, well, we're going to take her down. They weren't even thinking so much about her. They were thinking about this positive stuff. You recently wrote an article. It was in the Washington Post. It's about post-pandemic flux syndrome. And I have referred to what you share in that article so much, even in my speeches recently, because I feel like it's something we're all going through. We're still in a pandemic. We're kind of in this weird transition. We don't know where we're going. You know, as you talk in the article, adrenaline gets you through the crisis, but now we're kind of, we don't have the adrenaline. We're like, where are we at? So, so I want you to talk about kind of that article, the research behind it. Why don't we just start right there and why you wrote it? Yeah. So I wrote it because in mid-June, we thought we were re-emerging. Things were looking much better. It's also the beginning of summer and the Delta variant hadn't really become a big thing yet, at least not as far as the public knew. And so people were really excited. And there was a Gallup poll that was done in mid-June. It's actually, they, they do the same question every, I don't know, half year. And one of the questions is about thriving. So how much are people psychologically thriving? Actually, it's two questions. The questions are, how optimistic do you feel about the near future? And how optimistic do you feel about the you know next year? It was something like that. And that's their thriving question. And in June, in mid-June, 59.2% of people were classified as thriving. And that was the highest score on that measure in the history of that measure being measured, which was 13 years. So during a pandemic, people were thriving more than ever before. Wow. So what was going on? And I, I think that was optimism. That was hope. That was, you know, after all of this time being, you know, locked in and having no control, thinking we're going to get together, we're going to see each other, we're going to have this great summer. And then by the week after the 4th of July, which is in the U.S., the 4th of July, it just it sort of symbolizes the beginning of summer. It's July, it's warm in most places in the US, and we're gonna see each other, we'll have vacation, we'll have barbecues, we'll go to concerts. And especially that holiday itself, a lot of people get together. And so the 4th of July, 2021 was the first time that a lot of people were socializing and seeing old friends and being in a group of more than you know four people. And then the following week, I started getting all of these like messages from friends saying, oh, I feel horrible. Like I'm so anxious. I just, I need to change something about my life or I'm really, really depressed and I just want to sleep for like two months. And my husband and I were saying those same things to each other. 
and I started to feel like there's something like really going on here. And the Delta variant had people were becoming aware that that was going to be a thing. So I realized that part of it was that we we've never been in this prolonged state of flux where things are going back and forth. We're being yanked around. You know, it's like whiplash. You know, we're going forward. We're going backward, forward, backward. We're doing it this way, that way. No threat, huge threat. You know, and, and then also people don't even agree about can we socialize? How do we socialize? So there was uncertainty about every aspect of life after a moment in mid-June where we thought there was going to be certainty again. All of a sudden, we were thrown back into this roller coaster, or this tilt-a-whirl, right? And, and that was just exhausting and depleting for people. So what happens in a crisis is, first of all, crises tend to not last this long, but is that we use what psychologists call surge capacity, which is this sort of interactive network of like physical and psychological resources that get us through acute crises. Like in those moments, that's what gets us through. But it can't last for that long. It de it's depleted very quickly. And so in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people say they were more productive than before. Yes, and yeah. You're thinking, okay, we got to, you know, the word pivot became so right. like, that's what everybody was using. It's like, okay, pivot your energy from here to here. Let's do this. I mean, even for me, I remember I'm like, well, okay, there's no live speeches. I'm going to create my own online event. Completely. You and I were like, I'm going to make this and make this. And, you know, and I did quarantine writing hour and every day of the, the work week, I was interviewing, you know, a, a huge author yes. and doing this like every day. So a lot of people were doing that. And that's what happens also, interestingly, if you look at combat soldiers, and a lot of this research comes from that area, in the first battle, they're operating on surge capacity. The threat is clear. Their goals are shared. Good leaders operate at their best. Teams function well. Adrenaline is helping. After that battle, there's this in-between stage you know, and, and this is kind of like a war. And so in the in-between stage, between the battles, when the threat is unclear, our sense of purpose kind of gets depleted, we, we withdraw, we get kind of cranky, we don't want to be around each other. And that's because that surge capacity is depleted, but we also feel so out of control, we have no power, we, we just, what, what are we supposed to do? And then the threat becomes acute again. And it's been going like that for so long. So what happens is that we can't deal with that level of flux and we wanna get away from it. So if you tend toward anxiety, you probably have this urge to change your life, like either what you do for work, where you live, who you're with, to do something drastic to change your life. If you tend toward depression, you want to kind of shut down. Both of those things, though, are about escaping the threat and regaining a sense of control. And so people are experiencing these spikes in those emotions and these kind of extreme urges to do things that may or may not be the best things. This whole like mass resignation that we're seeing, a lot of this is about people wanting to regain control of their lives. Yes. Now, some of it is good. Some people are making good choices. They've learned what works for them, but others just have a desire to have control. So they're like, I'm leaving this job. But then six months later, they're not really that happy. I mean, collectively, it's wild. It, you know, 4.3 million 
Americans quit their job in August alone. To have that many people at the same time, kind of this collective mindset of, I don't really want to go back to what I did, but I don't really know what I'm doing next, but then kind of a drastic decision to also quit. I mean, it is just probably like you're trying to find control in a situation that none of us have control over right now. Yes. I applaud people for taking some control of their lives, but I also think for a lot of people, it, like I said, it doesn't last. Like that, that feeling of having control quickly becomes disempowerment. So I just urge people, if they want to make a big change right now, make sure you've really self-reflected. Why do you want to do this? What have you learned about yourself in the last year and a half of the pandemic? And to think wisely about whether this is the right change for you or whether you really are just having an urge to get control. And if it's just about control, find other ways. We haven't taken care of our health in the last year and a half. A huge percentage of people have un gained unwanted weight at an average of tw 26 pounds. Um, people are drinking more alcohol to deal with stress. They're not going to the doctor for things that are other than COVID-related things. You know, so one way to control your life is to start taking better care of yourself physically. Right. Because what you're saying is, I mean, it doesn't have to be some drastic, massive, I'm yes. quitting my job. I'm moving to another city. Yes. Small things give you a sense of power and control and that's transferable and it might prevent you from making a decision that's not best for you. So this is all about this whole season is about living inspired. So if, if people are finding themselves right now, and it could be from the pandemic or from any other crisis you've gone through, because I can say my situation, the injury that I've gone through, yeah, th there's adrenaline that gets you through the beginning of any crisis. And you're like, okay, got to figure things out. I'll figure this out. Maybe this will lead somewhere else. Maybe, you know, there's something that like really keeps you moving. And then for me, this injury two years later, it's like, okay, that adrenaline is not continued. You have to kind of sit in the very uncomfortable transition without yes. knowing where you're headed in life, yes. what your future looks like. What would you say, or, or what are a couple tips for finding inspiration right now for all of us who are going through transition in their own life and challenge? So first I would say, you know, back to the health issue, it's not just COVID, right? Take care of your health in ways that will make you feel better physically and emotionally. It could be a small amount of exercise. Even if you do, you know, 20 push-ups. what can you do right now to take care of your health? Right. You don't even have to go like, oh, I got to join a gym. And this. it's like, just get on the floor and do some sit-ups and push-ups. You will feel so much better. It's so funny that like we have that at our fingertips. That's right. The second is that keep in mind that even though you're not interacting with people as much, you know, your body language matters and your body language matters because it's also communicating info to you. And so keep in mind that you should carry yourself with expansiveness, with pride, with a sense of power, because when you do that, it makes you feel more powerful and in control. It's not, 
it being expansive yes. is not just an expression of feeling powerful. It's also a cause of feeling powerful. So, you know, sit up straight. Don't be hunched over your computer all day. Take a little walk where you take like long strides and you swing your arms and you, you know, bounce up and down. Breathe deeply, expand that way. There are all kinds of ways to expand that are so simple and that have that feedback effect of causing you to feel more powerful. And when you feel more powerful, you feel more optimistic, more confident. You see other people not as predators, but as potential allies and friends. You're more creative. You see challenges not as threats, but as opportunities. It just changes your whole mindset. I interviewed my Dance with the Stars partner, Derek Huff, in a previous episode. And he always talks about motion equals emotion. Like oftentimes we think emotion equals you start with the emotion and that leads to that action, right? You're like, I feel confident. Therefore I'm going to go, I don't know, speak in front of people or do something new, but really it's the other way around, which really is the motion equals the emotion. Like if you stand tall, like what, you know, you talk about and what you teach, when you stand tall and proud, you will feel more proud. You will feel more confident. It really starts with the motion that then brings the emotion. I love that, that, mo- that because that's exactly what I study and teach. So I can back that up by saying the science supports that. So don't neglect your body language because you, you're not being watched by other people because your brain is watching you. And that matters. You know, you're hunched over on your phone all day. You're hunched over on the computer all day. And then you go, why don't I feel good? Exactly. Why do I feel insecure? Right. It's your, your body is changing your mind. Your mind is changing your behavior and your behavior is changing your outcomes. Right. So carry yourself in a way that allows you to have a positive and active and creative mindset because it will shape the choices you make. We even find that having people imagine themselves in expansive postures helps them to feel more powerful. And we did that research as a result of people with disabilities writing to us, a woman who has paraplegia, sorry, quadriplegia, and said, I cannot expand physically, but in my mind's eye, I'm big, I'm expansive, and it makes me feel that way. So we did that oh, research wow. and found that in cases where you you imagine yourself in an expansive posture versus a contractive one, it will change the way you feel for the better. Yeah, being someone, I'm such a visualizer myself. And for me, I have to see myself, like even before I walk out on stage, if I can see myself confident in my mind's eye, yeah. walking out, you know, feeling confident, feeling grounded, standing tall, instantly it makes me feel that way. I, I do the same thing when I'm on the side of the stage. I imagine just how I'm going to walk out. And that, that opens me up and makes me feel so much more present and trusting of the audience and, like, and, and excited about what I'm doing. Okay, so... I'm going to do three quick fire questions. Okay. And this, these are questions that I ask all of my guests. Finish this sentence for me. Inspiration feels like... Energy? I think so. And do you know that inspiration, it, it means that I learned this from a, a previous guest, Susie Moore, The inspiration means in spirit. So 
you're more in your, you're embodying your spirit when you're inspired. Therefore you do feel energy because that's like your spirit coming to life. Exactly. It's very visceral. You know, I feel it in my body. Yeah. What was the last little thing that inspired you? What really inspired me in the last week was seeing Taylor Swift sort of take her songs back. I didn't understand Taylor Swift. I love music. I kind of thought it was just like sort of simple pop. I didn't get the whole excitement. I just get it now. And seeing her sort of own those songs and and do these new versions of them and, and these videos showing that it's not just about the person she wrote the song about. It's not about that at all, actually. It's about her saying, I own this. I own my story. And I'm not going to let you keep me down. I'm, I'm taking it back and I'm going to show you where I am now. I was surprisingly very inspired by that. I always say inspiration is contagious. And when you see yes. someone empowered, that's empowering to you as well. Okay, so talking about music, the last question is what song inspires you most? Or let's say you need to get inspired because you have a book to write, which you're writing a couple right now, or you have a speech to write. Okay, so what song inspires you most? Okay, it's, it's a lot of people won't know this, but it's called Bright as Yellow. And it's by The Innocence Mission. It was very popular in the mid-90s as a kind of new wavy song, or like early 90s, a new wave sort of atmospheric song. It is a beautiful song. Listen to it. They're wonderful people, too. It's a husband and wife. And it's about living life with your heart open, with your arms open, walking into a room with love and trust. And when you do that, you create that. It comes back to you. And so that is my song. I love that conversation with Amy. I mean, as you can tell, we could talk about so many different topics and so many different things. In fact, after this, I was like, Amy, I think I'm going to have you on every season because we could talk about bullying and what that's like. I mean, a lot of times people, when they think about bullying, they think about maybe what kids go through in school. Both Amy and I have experienced it as adults, and it's really um, it's 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 really important to talk about that. And she's actually writing a book about that right now. So as soon as that book comes out, I'll definitely have her back on. But today, gosh, there's so many takeaways. I mean, I think the the most important, you know, just talking about live inspired and living an inspired life. She talked about two things, and really, I think that today exemplified those two things, right? So the first thing that that we should all be doing right now, whether we're dealing with this post-pandemic flux syndrome, or we're going through other challenges in our lives, or just for our own like well-being and health, is focusing on our friendships. And for me, Amy's taught me how to be a really good friend because she's such a good friend. And I'm so happy that you guys got to um, get to know her a little bit, like I know her. And so Focusing on your relationships is so important to get through every challenge. And even if you're not faced with challenge, right? Like it's very easy. I mean, we're all faced with challenge, but like even if you're not in the thick of a challenge right now, 
Friendship is so important. We're social creatures. We need each other. And sometimes we forget about that. When times get hard, a lot of times we go inward, right? We kind of block ourselves off from the rest of the world. We don't always reach out to our friends. In fact, I did a whole episode on this uh, in season one about uh, just focusing on our friendships and our relationships. And you find a good friend like Amy when you're a good friend. So work on you being a good friend to other people and being a good support and uh, for other people. And then you get that energy reciprocated. And second of all, it's so important. And I don't know if you'll hear many people talk about this on the podcast. Everybody has different tips and tools on, you know, how to live your best life and how to live most more inspired. I love that Amy spoke about your posture. Just that can change your life. The way you sit, the way you stand, the way you step into the world, that's something we all can control. And she even said, you know, there's somebody who is a quadriplegic who who kind of um, sparked this research that they did where even if you physically can't stand up tall, in your mind, if you visualize yourself standing up tall, if you visualize yourself inspired, if you visualize yourself confident, then you will feel that. It actually changes your chemistry. It actually gives you the endorphins and chemicals and everything that you need to be able to actually feel confident or to feel inspired. And I just love that so much because we have a lot more control over um, our lives than we think we do. All these crazy things can happen to us, but you can actually <laughs> kind of offset that just by standing up tall in the world, just by getting off your phone, which we all do, or like on Instagram, whatever it may be, your shoulders are rounded, being able to just kind of like put your phone down right now. This is what I want everybody to do put your phone down or whatever, step away from your computer, or even if you're driving in your car, okay? Just stand up tall, stand up tall, hold your shoulders back, pull your shoulder blades together, hold this position, create space, like open your arms, put your arms above your head and stand that way for two minutes. I promise you will feel more inspired, more confident, more in control, and it's just because you changed your posture. So those are the two huge takeaways I have from this episode. I'm curious what your takeaways are. Let me know. You can always go to Instagram. We also will have a link in the show notes, um, which is like if you're on Apple or Spotify, if you go down and actually read the notes, there's a link there. And if, if you're interested in the Live Inspired Jewelry line that we were talking about, you can click on that link as well. I, I would love to hear from you all. Uh, I would love to hear what your takeaways were from this conversation. And um, I think that's it for today. So love you all. If this episode inspired you, please make sure to share with someone else or on your social media. And also make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening to Bouncing Forward. Bouncing Forward.